Sorry, friends. So I need to preface this by saying the 830, God did a lot of showing off during the sermon. There was rain, there was thunder, there was lightning, there were lights blinking. I don't think we're going to get all that, so I just want you to know it's not going to be as great, but his word's still going to be there. It's still going to be awesome. He's still showing up for us, isn't he? Amen? We're continuing our series on talking about the heroes of faith. We're visiting Hebrews. We're talking about these people that we look to to more deeply understand how we live out being followers of Christ, how we more live out being faith-driven in our lives. And today we're going to talk about a character, a person in Scripture that we don't talk about very often. Uh, Some of you may not even have heard of her, and if you have, very briefly. So we're going to spend some time doing a little bit of a history lesson, which I personally love doing. And then we're going to do some application. Don't worry, we're going to get there. We're going to get to where, what is God trying to tell us with this awesome person in his story? And so first, I want us to look at Hebrews 11.3 for the introduction of Rahab. Hear the word of God today. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spies in peace. Now, if you don't know who Rahab is, a lot of this is going to be like, "Mm, okay, well, okay then, that's good. We're going to get into the backstory. We're going to dig deep into her story. And so I want to begin with, obviously we know from this that Rahab was a prostitute. And that's a big deal for God to use someone who had lived a life like that. And we we visit her story way back in the Old Testament in the book of Joshua in chapter 2. And I want to set up the story for when we visit the scripture in Joshua for what's going on so that we can kind of go from there. So what's happened at this point is the Israelites have left Egypt. They have been delivered, but they've had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of ups and downs. And they see the land of Canaan. They finally arrived. They see it on the horizon, and Moses dies. So they lose their leader who's delivered them out of Egypt, who has brought them to this place, And he dies. And so Joshua is appointed as the next leader. He is the new Moses who is going to lead them into the promised land that for so long they have heard God speak to them about. And so what they're going to do first is take over a land called Jericho. And Joshua has a pretty good strategy to do this. And the reason why he does it, if you see on this map, So where the Israelites kind of end up, you can see Canaan on the horizon is this small place called Shittim. And they go across the Jordan into the Jericho. Jericho kind of provides this mouth into the land of Canaan. So it's very strategic for Joshua to want to land here. Because right outside of Jericho, you'll see that purple line Gilgal. And that's where the Israelites set up camp. That's where they prepare for battle whenever they go into Canaan to overcome it. So Jericho was a very important place for them to take over so that they could have an advantage over the Canaanites to overcome. And so Joshua starts this process by sending spies into Jericho. And that's where our story begins. The spies end up at none other than Rahab's house, which we'll see here. This is Rahab on top of the roof, a depiction, obviously picture straight out of the Old Testament here. So word travels fast in a small town. Don't we all know that? I'm from a small town. I know word travels fast. I don't know what social media outlet they used. Oh, good. It landed. It didn't land in 830. (laughs) 
it was like, pew. I was like, ooh, I work on my jokes. Okay, that one landed. I'm good. Thank you. I needed that confidence booster. So word traveled fast in the land of Jericho, and the king of Jericho heard that the spies were there. And so he's like, we got to get them out of here. So he sends messengers to Rahab's house. They show up and they're like, hey, you got to hand these guys over. We got to take them because they're going to tell all the things. They're going to give all our secrets away and Israel's going to overcome us. Rahab deceives them. Instead of saying, here you go, here they are. I don't want anything to do with this. She hides them on the roof and she tells the messengers, I don't know anything about those guys. I don't know where they're from or what they're doing, but I do know They've already left. They've already gone through the gate. And oh, by the way, they just left. I bet if you run now, you can catch them. And so guess what? The men of Jericho listen, and they go after him. And the best part about this is when they get through the gate, the gate shuts. It is really a perfect scenario for the Israelites, a perfect scenario that has been set up by this lady, Rahab. So the question that leads us this morning is, so why her? Why Rahab? Why did God pick her house for the spies to go to? Was it because she was afraid of the Israelites? Was it because she was just tired of the king of Jericho and all the stuff that he was dishing out? Well, now that we've set up the scene, let's visit Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. Hear the word of God this morning. Before they went to sleep, and she's talking to the spies here, okay, or the, yeah, the Israelite, the Israelite spies, okay, this is who she's speaking to here in this scripture. Before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, and that dread of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land melt in fear before you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to the two kings of the Amorites that were beyond the Jordan, to Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no courage left in any of us because of you. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below. This last line that she says here in verse 11. The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and on earth below is quite the proclamation. It is really a big deal. Why is it a big deal, you ask? I'm so glad you did. I've watched a few dramas in my time to know, though, that we all need a good cliffhanger to keep our attention. So we're not going to talk about why it was a big deal just yet. But what I do want to share is that Rahab was spoke about not only in Hebrews, but also in James. So for a person to be mentioned throughout the New Testament, it just shows the emphasis of how important of a role she played in God's story. But when we look at this story, when we read Joshua 2, we'll feel that there's a lot of tension. There's a lot of things that we don't learn about. There's a lot of details we don't get. Like, why did the king of Jericho know that the spies were in Jericho at all? And specifically, how did they even know where they went, that they were at Rahab's house? Who was the king of Jericho? We don't know. His name wasn't even given. But the story is written in a way that it focuses our attention on what it needs 
to be focused on. We can look at why we didn't get any of those details and we can tear that apart and we can come up with whatever we want to. But I think it's a lot like when you sit down to do a puzzle. Anybody do puzzles in here? I love doing puzzles. It's a good pastime. And then you get to the end of it and you realize you're missing a piece. Oh, woe is me. Done all this hard work and I don't get to finish the puzzle. I don't get to see the whole picture. We don't get the whole picture And that's a great metaphor for life, isn't it? We don't get the whole picture. We don't get all the details about what's happening in our lives and where our lives are going to go and how God's going to work things out. And when we look at the two characters in this story, Rahab and her family and the Israelites, we know that they weren't getting the full picture either. Rahab and her family were looking at destruction She knew Israel was going to take over Canaan and that they were all going to die. And then you had Israel on the other side of it who had been promised Canaan over and over again, the promised land. But they knew there was going to be a battle. They knew it wasn't going to come easy, that this road wasn't going to come easy. But God shows us, we learn that with faith, A big part in having faith in God is hanging on to it even when we aren't sure where he's taking us. We hang on to God and who he is, the truth of his promises, that he is going to see them through even though we can't see the end of the road, even though the road is not going to be easy. And another big part in what makes this story hard to believe and hard to put all the pieces together is God had made it very clear with the Israelites, you don't do business with the Canaanites. No relations whatsoever. It's a commandment. Don't mess with them at all. But here these spies were in this house of a Canaanite woman. And when we go to read on in Joshua 2 after verses 11, not only were they in her house and they were In her security, she makes a deal with them. I want you to save me and my family. And the kicker to that is, or else we wouldn't be talking about her, they upheld their deal. Like Hebrews said, she did not perish like the others who were disobedient. So again, we come back to this question, why Rahab? Why her? And we come back to this verse 11. When she proclaimed, The Lord your God is indeed God in heaven above and the earth below. This proclamation solidifies the deal. This word, it reads for us the Lord, but this is Yahweh. She uses Yahweh in speaking with the Israelite spies. The personal but holy name of God. And she uses that name to point to the change that she had experienced, the transformation she had felt from just hearing the stories of who this God was and what he did for the Israelites. She uses his name in that way, to point to the truth that she has turned away 
from the gods she had grown up with and was a part of her life. She turned away from them and turned towards him. And then she goes on to say, God in heaven above and on earth below. When we think about all the characters and all the people that God used in the scriptures before her, Noah and Moses and Abraham and all those folks that came before, this is only the third time that this reference was used. That God was God of heaven and on earth. Rahab wasn't just trying to save her family and herself with this proclamation. What Rahab was doing was offering her whole life. Offering her whole self for worship to the God who was worthy of it all. And that's what faith does. It commands our full sacrifice. When we discover the one who is the true and only way, faith requires us to turn away from our false ways. Rahab mentioned everybody in Jericho. Everybody was fearful of God, fearful of the Israelites. Their heart had melted in fear. But only she was the one placing her faith in him, allowing that fear to reveal to her who this God was, the God that she wanted to live her life for, the God she didn't just want to be afraid of, that she wanted to trust. And not only did her faith save her, but it saved her family. Do you hear that today? Her faith not only saved her, but it saved her family from destruction too. Rahab knew of Yahweh. She had heard the stories but she didn't know anything about the Torah. She didn't know anything about the laws and the rules and all the things she was supposed to do. Her faith looked different than the Israelites' faith did. And we still see that today, don't we? People's worship, the way that they express their worship, the way that they experience God, the way they express their faith, it looks different because each of us each of us is different. But Rahab shows us that while our faith may be expressed differently, what is common is that it takes full, full commitment, full sacrifice with no hesitation. We cannot underestimate the things God will do for those who experience a radically changed heart when they place their faith in him. God provided a way for Israel to the promised land through an unlikely woman. The decision Rahab made to save the spies and to hide them and to save herself and her family fed right into Abraham's covenant that Tom talked about just last week. And it continued to pave the way for salvation for many nations afterwards. 
her family being one of them, adopted into God's family simply because of her faith. If you think God can't use you today, or better yet, if you think God doesn't want to use you, or that you're not equipped to participate in his plan, your faith may be why. Rahab's God is your God. We just sang about it. He is the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same God of miracles is that God we are here worshiping right now. These stories that we're visiting in this series are reminders to us, affirmations to us, that he is still powerful, he is still mighty, he is still saving. His love draws us in and affirms that anything in our lives are possible because he is the God of possible. How is he calling you today to step out in faith? His ways are not our ways. Thank God. But as we prepare our hearts to answer this invitation that God is going to give us to his table this morning, I want us to take the opportunity to ask ourselves, how is our faith today? Is it as dry as a desert? Or is it thriving like the garden? Is our faith placed in Yahweh? the God of heaven above and on earth below.